guys, Joe here with the Modern Heathen Man. I want to thank you all for joining me once again um, and continuing with our Growing Children of Heathen. Um, I'm going to part, put part five of Padraig Colum's Children of Odin up so you can share these stories with them. Now, the last three days, or the last two days besides this one, we're going to have stories. Um, this one may be the last one. I, I may put one more up. Um, before I do, I'm going to read from the Have Them All and read our prayer again. Um, this prayer, you don't have to follow word for word. It's an idea, not a specific one, um, where you have to um, copy it from me. And I'm not saying you can't, but you can just to get in the groove of stuff. But this is the one that I use with my kids to get them in the groove of prayer, to let them know how we pray to the gods and what we talk about when we do pray to the gods. So you're more than welcome to copy this prayer down. You're more than welcome to use it every single day if you like. I got it from somebody else, and you can use it for me. It's not a problem. So um, I definitely want to share that with you. And then, or you can have them write their own. Um, let them write to the gods. The other day, my son asked my wife a really good question, and he asked if if he could write a note to the gods so that they would hear him. And my wife, of course, said absolutely. So he wrote his little note to the gods. Um, he asked the gods to help me with my back, which was really nice of him. And, you know, let, let them become part of it. It's, it's really important that they learn that they can take their thoughts and uh, needs and things before the gods as well, not just our own, and teach them to venerate the gods when they do that. It was a really good learning opportunity. It was really worth the time and effort that we put into um, everything we do when those little moments happen. So let's read the prayer. Gods and goddesses, Aesir and Vanir, thank you for the blessings you have given me. Thank you for being with me. I ask you to continue to bless me and be by my side. I ask you to help me to face the decrees of the Norns with courage, honor, and frith. And I ask you to help me do the best that I can for my faith, my ancestors, my family, and my kindred, this day, every day, and always. Grant me wisdom, honor, and strength, and frith to continue to bring honor to you and my ancestors. Hail the gods. I was thinking about reading something from the Have Them All today, and I'm not really sure what I want to read, so I'm just going to pick something out. Um, I'm going to pick Have Them All number 125. It says, I counsel thee, Stray Singer, accept my counsel. They, this will be thy boom, if thou obeyest them. They will work thy will, if thou winnest them, be not a shoemaker, nor yet a shaft maker, save for thyself alone. Let the shoe be mishappen, or crooked the shaft, and a curse on thy head will be called. In other words, don't try to do everything yourself. Don't try to make everything happen on your own. Look for the people that know what they're doing. Look for the people that are able to do those things that you need done, because sometimes you'll make a mistake in doing it. Um, all too often we find ourselves trying to take on tasks that are too hard for us just because we're haughty or just because we have the idea that we can do that. So take these words from the High One Odin and use them in your daily life. This is the wisdom that he imparts to us. So I'm going to share with you guys uh, part five of Children of Odin by Padraig Colum. Again, this is available to you for free on uh, LibriVox that you can download yourself and, and play it quite often, or you can just listen to it here. Um, so I'll let you have this time with that, and I thank you for joining me, and have a great day.
it's Joe here from the Modern Heathen Man. How are you guys tonight? I hope I'm meeting you well. Anyway, I wanted to tell you guys, while I'm out traveling, it's not always feasible to carry my whole big altar box with me. So sometimes I like a little something in my pocket. And I found a great place to get that from. That's Odin's Beard Woodworking. Great little place out there. It makes small little pocket altars for you with candles and um, gods and everything in them, little sayings and such. Wonderful work that this man does. Carves everything by hand. He has a couple things going on here. He has little pocket altars that I'm talking about for $25. He has small D poles of 5 to 6 inches for $40. 7 to 8 inches for $45. 9 to 10 for $50. And 11 to 12 for $60. He has 26 different deities to choose from and more coming every day. Your choices right now are Odin, Thor, Tyr, Loki, Freyr, Baldr, Bragi, Hemdal, Njord, Fenrir, Ullr, Vidar, Hermod, Hel, Freya, Ostri, Skadi, Sif, Er, Frigg, Var, Thrud, Idun, Sigun, Ran, and Njord. That's a lot of different gods to choose from. So. He can meet anybody's needs. Tell him what you want. You can go ahead and find him at www.odinsbeardwoodworking.com. He also has a Facebook page, and I know he does some stuff live every once in a while that you can actually watch him carve those things. Anyway, give him a good uh, look-see there and see if he has something that you can use. I guarantee his little pocket ultras will come in handy for you. So, anyway, thanks, guys. Have a great night. Bye-bye. Hey guys, this is Joe at Modern Heathen Man. How are you all today? Hoping you're having a good and uh, great day. Anyway, I wanted to tell you guys about this YouTube channel that I found called Midgard Musings. It's by a man named Jesse, and it is incredible. He has new videos uploaded on the channel every Sunday night, and he has a live Facebook stream every Sunday at 7 p.m. Um, Central Standard Time. Midgard Musings' goal is to help build heathen communities around the world with educational content and laid-back fun manner. He values the historical aspect of this path and uses it to help us grow and develop as heathens in modern times. So if you've been a heathen for a while or just brand new to it, definitely check it out. It's something worthwhile. If you'd like to support Midgard Musings by subscribing to youtube.com forward slash Midgard Musings, following on Facebook and purchasing merchandise from the Teespring and Redbub, Redbubble stores. Redbubble, say that three times. All of which can be found on the YouTube channel video description. Midgard Musing also offers handmade driftwood rune sets for sale, and the purchase of these items help support the channel. Just to touch base on that a little bit, I actually own one of those rune sets. They're incredibly nice, good feel, wonderful stuff, good power within them. I'm telling you, worthwhile checking out. So please head on over to Midgard Musings, like and subscribe to the channel, and follow on Facebook and on YouTube at facebook.com slash Midgard Musings and youtube.com slash Midgard Musings. M-I-D-G-A-R-D-M-U-S-I-N-G-S will find you that Midgard Musings. Thanks, guys, and have a great day. Section 5 of The Children of Odin. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Elizabeth Clett. The Children of Odin. The Book of Northern Myths. By Podrick Colum. Part 1. Chapter 6. How Freya gained her necklace, and how her loved one was lost to her. 
Yes, Loki went through Asgard silent and with head bent, and the dwellers in Asgard said one unto the other, This will teach Loki to work no more mischief. They did not know that what Loki had done had sowed the seeds of mischief, and that these seeds were to sprout up and bring sorrow to the beautiful Vanna Freya, to Freya whom the giant wanted to carry off with the sun and the moon as a payment for his building the wall round Asgard. Freya had looked upon the wonders that Loki had brought into Asgard, the golden threads that were Sif's hair, and Frey's boar that shed light from its bristles as it flew. The gleam of these golden things dazzled her, and made her dream in the daytime and the night-time of the wonders that she herself might possess. And often, she thought, what wonderful things the three giant women would give me if I could bring myself to go to them on their mountain-top. Long ere this, when the wall around their city was not yet built, and when the gods had set up only the court with their twelve seats, and the hall that was for Odin, and the hall that was for the goddesses, there had come into Asgard three giant women. They came after the gods had set up a forge, and had begun to work metal for their buildings. The metal they worked was pure gold. With gold they built Gladsheim, the hall of Odin, and with gold they made all their dishes and household ware. Then was the age of gold, and the gods did not grudge gold to any one. Happy were the gods then, and no shadow nor foreboding lay on Asgard. But after the three giant women came, the gods began to value gold, and to hoard it. They played with it no more, and the happy innocence of their first days departed from them. At last the three were banished from Asgard. The gods turned their thoughts from the hoarding of gold, and they built up their city, and they made themselves strong. And now Freya, the lovely Vanir bride, thought upon the giant women, and on the wonderful things of gold they had flashed through their hands. But not to Odur, her husband, did she speak her thoughts. For Odur, more than any of the other dwellers in Asgard, was wont to think on the days of happy innocence, before gold came to be hoarded and valued. Odur would not have Freya go near the mountain-top where the three had their high seat. But Freya did not cease to think upon them, and upon the things of gold they had. "'Why should Odur know I went to them?' she said to herself. "'No one will tell him. And what difference will it make if I go to them and gain some lovely thing for myself? I shall not love Odur the less because I go my own way for once.' Then one day she left their palace, leaving Odur, her husband, playing with their little child, Nosa. She left the palace and went down to the earth. There she stayed for a while, tending the flowers that were her charge. After a while she asked the elves to tell her where the mountain was on which the three giant women stayed. The elves were frightened and would not tell her, although she was queen over them. She left them and stole into the caves of the dwarves. It was they who showed her the way to the seat of the giant women, but before they showed her the way they made her feel shame and misery. "'We will show you the way if you stay here with us,' said one of the dwarfs. "'For how long would you have me stay?' said Freya. "'Until the cocks in Svartheim crow,' said the dwarfs, closing round her. "'We want to know what the company of one of the Vanir is like.' "'I will stay,' Freya said. Then one of the dwarfs reached up and put his arms round her neck and kissed her with his ugly mouth. Freya tried to break away from them, but the dwarfs held her. 
You cannot go from us now until the cocks of Swarthheim crow, they said. Then one and then another of the dwarfs pressed up to her and kissed her. They made her sit down beside them on the heaps of skins they had. When she wept they screamed at her and beat her. One, when she would not kiss him on the mouth, bit her hands. So Freya stayed with the dwarfs until the cocks of Swarthheim crew. They showed her the mountain on top of which the three banished from Asgard had their abode. The giant women sat overlooking the world of men. "'What would you have from us, wife of Odur?' one who was called Gulveig said to her. "'Alas! Now that I have found you I know that I should ask you for naught,' Freya said. "'Speak, Vanna,' said the second of the giant women. The third said nothing, but she held up in her hands a necklace of gold most curiously fashioned. "'How bright it is!' Freya said. "'There is shadow where you sit, women, but the necklace you hold makes brightness now. Oh, how I should joy to wear it!' "'It is the necklace Brisingamen,' said the one who was called Gulveig. "'It is yours to wear, wife of Odur,' said the one who held it in her hands. Freya took the shining necklace and clasped it round her throat. She could not bring herself to thank the giant women, for she saw that there was evil in their eyes. She made reverence to them, however, and she went from the mountain on which they sat overlooking the world of men. In a while she looked down and saw Brisingamen, and her misery went from her. It was the most beautiful thing ever made by hands. None of the Asinir and none of the Vanir possessed a thing so beautiful. It made her more and more lovely, and Odur, she thought, would forgive her when he saw how beautiful and how happy Brisingamen made her. She rose up from amongst the flowers and took leave of the slight elves, and she made her way into Asgard. All who greeted her looked long and with wonder upon the necklace that she wore, and into the eyes of the goddesses there came a look of longing when they saw Brisingamen. But Freya hardly stopped to speak to any one. As swiftly as she could, she made her way to her own palace. She would show herself to Odur and win his forgiveness. She entered her shining palace and called to him. No answer came. Her child, the little Hlosa, was on the floor playing. Her mother took her in her arms, but the child, when she looked on Brisingamen, turned away crying. Freya left Nosa down and searched again for Odur. He was not in any part of their palace. She went into the houses of all who dwelt in Asgard, asking for tidings of him. None knew where he had gone to. At last Freya went back to their palace and waited and waited for Odur to return. But Odur did not come. One came to her. It was a goddess, Odin's wife, the queenly Frigga. "'You are waiting for Odur, your husband,' Frigga said. Ah, let me tell you, Odur will not come to you here. He went when, for the sake of a shining thing, you did what would make him unhappy. Odur has gone from Asgard, and no one knows where to search for him." "'I will seek him outside of Asgard,' Freya said. She wept no more, but she took the little child Hnosa and put her in Frigga's arms. Then she mounted her car that was drawn by two cats, and journeyed down from Asgard to Midgard, the earth to search for Odur, her husband. Year in and year out, and all over the earth, Freya went searching and calling for the lost Odur. She went as far as the bounds of the earth, where she could look over to Jotunheim, 
where dwelt the giant who would have carried her off with the sun and the moon as payment for the building of the wall around Asgard. But in no place, from the end of the rainbow Bifrost, that stretched from Asgard to the earth, to the boundary of Jotunheim, did she find a trace of her husband Odur. At last she turned her car toward Bifrost, the rainbow bridge that stretched from Midgard, the earth, to Asgard, the dwelling of the gods. Heimdall, the watcher for the gods, guarded the rainbow bridge. To him Freya went with a half-hope fluttering in her heart. "'Oh, Heimdall!' she cried. "'Oh, Heimdall, watcher for the gods, speak and tell me if you know where Odur is!' "'Odur is in every place where the searcher has not come. Odur is in every place that the searcher has left. Those who seek him will never find Odur,' said Heimdall, the watcher for the gods. Then Freya stood on Bifrost and wept. Frigga, the queenly goddess, heard the sound of her weeping, and came out of Asgard to comfort her. "'Ah, what comfort can you give me, Frigga?' cried Freya. "'What comfort can you give me one Odur will never be found by one who searches for him?' "'Behold how your daughter, the child Hnosa, has grown,' said Frigga. Freya looked up and saw a beautiful maiden standing on Bifrost, the rainbow bridge. She was young more youthful than any of the Vanir or the Asunir, and her face and her form were so lovely that all hearts became melted when they looked upon her. And Freya was comforted in her loss. She followed Frigga across Bifrost, the rainbow bridge, and came once again into the city of the gods. In her own palace in Asgard, Freya dwelt with Hnosa, her child. Still she wore round her neck Brisingamen, the necklace that lost her odour, but now she wore it, not for its splendour, but as a sign of the wrong she had done. She weeps, and her tears become golden drops as they fall on the earth. And by poets who know her story, she is called the Beautiful Lady in Tears. End of section 5